I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. with me Carly hope you are all well witches blessed in bulk if you are listening to this episode on its release day on today's episode we are meeting with Primrose Hill our cottage witch to look at the folklore and magical associations of the pancake and snowdrops to kick things off today we have our book review and our book is The White Hair by Jane Johnson. Had this book on my radar for a little while, wasn't initially sure how witchy it would be. The author seems to release a lot of commercial type fiction books, but it did not disappoint. It was very witchy. Here is the book blurb. In a valley steeped in legend lies an abandoned house where Edens may be lost, found and remade. The White Valley in the far west of Cornwall cuts deeply through Bluebell Woods down to the sea. The house above the beach has lain neglected since the war. It comes with a reputation, which is why Mila and her mother Magda acquire it so cheaply in the fateful summer of 1954. Magda plans to restore the house to its former glory, the venue for glittering parties where the rich and celebrated gathered for bracing walks by day and sumptuous cocktails by night. Mila's ambitions, meanwhile, are much less grand. She dreams of creating a safe haven for herself and a happy home for her little girl, Janie. The White Valley comes with a long eventful history laced with tall tales. Locals say that a white hare may be seen running through the woods there. To some, she's an ill omen, to others a blessing. Feeling fragile and broken-hearted, Mila is in need of as many blessings as she can get, but will this place provide the fresh start she so desperately needs? So first off, I was really attracted to this book as it is set in Cornwall, a place very dear to my heart and very witchy. I absolutely eat up any Cornish folklore. The setting of this book, for some reason, really reminded me of tree bar gardens in Cornwall with all their beautiful gunnera and so on. I also loved the setting of this book in the early 50s. That is always a period that I'm really interested in. Loved the main characters of this book, Mila, Magda and Janie. 
three generations of women who moved to Cornwall after buying a house to restore. They are of Polish origin, so there is also some reference to Polish folklore. Actually, I loved all the characters, none more so than the two witches who live in the village. They are true hedge witches and serve as wise women to many in the village. The description of their house and garden is wonderful. The baddie in this story is a real villain and has your blood boiling. And when an author can give you that feeling, it is always a success in my eyes. It's hard to say much without giving the storyline away. This story has so much goddess energy running throughout. It's eerie in places with how the goddess shows up. I loved the different themes in the book that were well handled, such as the difficult relationship between Magda and Mila, how Mila is different with her own daughter as a result, also the fallout of trauma. If anything, this book is just a really beautiful, comforting read. Of late, I've really struggled to commit to any witchy fiction as I just haven't found any that I've got into. But this book did not disappoint. Absolutely would recommend this book. I couldn't put it down. Join me after the break to meet again with Primrose Hill to look at Pagan Pancakes and the Snowdrop. just needed plain flour now to make her pancakes. She already had a dozen eggs from her chickens that Farmer Larkspur had recently offloaded onto her. He had complained that the hens were past it and no longer laying. Following some bartering, in return, Primrose gave him some of her grandmother's remedy for indigestion. Primrose, however, knew his long-suffering ailment could easily be avoided if he just laid off the locally brewed cider. It turned out that since relocating to Primrose's garden, the hens did nothing but each lay her a perfect egg each day. Primrose made a fuss of the hens as much as they would let her. They were still a little wary of her, yet she could tell they were beginning to be more calm and curious around her. They had recently entered a little routine where the hens would run towards her when she came out into the garden and follow her around. Being the beginning of February, she hadn't spent as much time as she would like in the garden against the Baltic conditions. She did spend time nursing a cup of tea whilst watching the chickens' antics and had taken to giving the buff Orpingtons names based on their little personalities. The six chickens consisted of Agatha, Circe, Edith, Ophelia, Clementine and Ivy. Circe was the most tyrannical of them all and was quick to show Primrose when she arrived at Moon Willow Cottage, she ruled the roost. Eggs covered, that just left plain flour, which was why Primrose found herself in the village shop. 
As she gazed at the sundries, she spied through the glass-blown windows a Morris 8 automobile park abruptly just outside the shop's front. The door swung open and the local vicar emerged from behind the wheel. Primrose inwardly prayed to her own gods he might not come into the store and see her. She hadn't quite recovered from their interactions last year when she had to navigate funeral arrangements and a service that was as simple as could be for her grandmother. In her lifetime, her grandmother had attended church as little as was deemed acceptable, with little option for a heathen funeral. Primrose had to rely on the mercy of the church to see the burial through. The vicar locked eyes with Primrose through the glass and made strides towards the shop. Swinging open the door, the shop's bell ringing out loudly, heralding his arrival. Primrose suddenly felt like the prey, the vicar, the predator. Ah, Primrose, isn't it? Funny I was going to pop up to Moonwillow Cottage to inquire how you were doing since your grandmother's passing. We haven't seen you at Sunday service since you moved to the village. I wasn't sure if you hadn't simply sold up and ran back to the city. He smiled, pinning her on the spot for some sort of answer. Eager eyes, Cheshire cat grin. Hello, Vicar. Still at the cottage, just been a lot to do with getting everything back to how it was. I appreciate your interest, however. I just made a rare trip into the village to stock up my flower stores for pancakes. A little early for Shrove Tuesday, but good to see you'll be observing the day. Primrose couldn't help herself. With an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, she landed the following blow to the vicar. Well, vicar, the hill women always make pancakes for Imbolc each year. The pancake was originally made to symbolise the sun. We've always honoured the ancient one's belief that by eating them, we gain power from the light and heat of the sun. We've always been inclined to eat them a little earlier than Shrove Tuesday. And she offered up her sweetest smile as she said this. The vicar's face began to turn a strange shade of puce, at extreme odds to the starch white collar at his neck. Gradually he spluttered out, I see you are just like your grandmother and I would hazard a guess much like the hill women my father and grandfather have had the experience of dealing with across the many decades. Primrose beamed from ear to ear. Why, thank you, Vicar. So glad to hear I'm just like the previous hill women. That's made my day. I hope you have a great day too. And upon the delivery of that statement, she whizzed up to the shop's counter and quickly paid the shilling and pence for the hefty bag of flour to the shop assistant. As she heaved the heavy bag of flour home, she tried not to chuckle too hard to herself about her interaction with the vicar. Her grandmother had always said she had no issue with Vicar Green's father when he was alive. He and her grandmother had many conversations where they had put the world to rights. Yet she had little time for Tom Green's pompous son, Michael, who in her opinion was much like his snooty mother, Vera, who flounced around in her fiery red fox fur coat, criticising the flowers the local ladies grew and arranged for the church. That's when she wasn't barking orders at her poor husband. 
Her grandmother often mused how she would quite like to see a fox wearing a coat made from Vera someday. As Primrose made her way out onto the main road towards the cottage, she heard before she saw the Morris Eight ambling down the road wildly. She was forced to quickly step into the hedgerow, lest she was pushed off the road as the sleek black car hurried past her, the vicar looking almost possessed at the wheel, failing to acknowledge her presence. Although a bit shaken, during the commotion, Primrose had stumbled upon the first snowdrops she had seen that year aside the road. She looked up to see the vicar's car tear down the road ahead. She then focused her gaze on the delicate, powerful, little harbinger of spring on the ground. Finally, back at the cottage, Primrose managed to open the hefty oak door with the bag of flour in her arms ensuring she didn't trip as Balthazar wound his way around her feet to greet her. After placing the large bag of flour in the larder, she tended to the fire in the hearth, adding a few logs on before the fire raged nicely, throwing out heat into the tiny kitchen. Primrose filled the kettle, placed it on the arger, ready to make some tea, before she reached for the grimoire, to see what she could find on pancakes and snowdrops. Snowdrop, Latin name, Galanthus novalis. Folk names, February fair maids, fair maid of February. Eve star, white bells, dewdrops, death flower, bulbous violet, emblem of early spring, candlemas bells, Mary's taper, moly, milk flower, dewdrop, drooping bell. Linked to the planet Saturn, the element of Earth, gender feminine, deities, Brigid, Persephone, Hermes, Sabbath, in bulk, tarot card, the hermit. Magical properties, purification, innocence, spells for newborns, new beginnings, death witchcraft, hope, friendship in adversity, passing of sorrow, triumph over adversity, spiritual initiation, consolation, strength, protection, resilience, perseverance, divine love, mercy and miracles. During the Victorian era, the snowdrop was often referred to as the death flower. This could be as they often grow wildly in graveyards, also through them springing up with the change in weather. The beginning of spring and its changes in temperature tended to bring illness. The snowdrop may have taken the blame for natural occurrences at this time of the year. Folklore sees the snowdrop regarded as unlucky due to them growing within graveyards. Along with other white flowers, they were not brought into the home lest they invited in the death of a loved one. In the West Country of England, a superstition was held that bringing snowdrops into the home resulted in the eggs being addled. They deemed one should never pick a snowdrop, especially from a graveyard, and that a single snowdrop growing in the garden was an omen of impending doom. 
The snowdrop has a folk name of Candlemas bells that was still recorded as being used in Essex, England during the 1950s. It was deemed unlucky to bring Candlemas bells into the home upon Candlemas. If you wish to be wed within the year, it was advised not to bring snowdrops in the house upon Valentine's Day. Due to them being sacred to virgins, some Candlemas celebrations involved young women donning white gowns and walking in procession with snowdrops in their hands. Snowdrops were exceptionally popular in medieval gardens. During the Middle Ages, they gained association with the Virgin Mary, and as a result, many old convent gardens have an abundance of snowdrops in her dedication. They were often planted in graveyards as they were believed to ward off evil spirits. Some have written of the snowdrop being sacred to the goddess Brigid. However, the snowdrop would not have been found in Britain or Ireland until the 16th century, when they were brought over from southern Europe. The plant is also native to Asia and the Middle East. Snowdrops are associated with Brigid, for they rise at the time of Candlemas and Imbolc, a time of year sacred to her. In many religions, the snowdrop was considered a sign from the gods that good times will come once again. There is a tale in Christianity of an angel turning falling snowflakes into snowdrop flowers. The angel gifted them as a sign of hope to Adam and Eve, following their eviction from the Garden of Eden. In Judaism, the snowdrop is said to represent the star of David due to its six petals. In 1893, Andreas Platakis and Roger de Voisin suggested that the mysterious plant moly that Hermes gives to Odysseus to serve as an antidote to the poisonous plant potion Circe administered was in fact the snowdrop. The ancient Greeks and Romans used the snowdrop for many medicinal purposes. In ancient Greece, snowdrops were dedicated to Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Persephone, who was said to carry snowdrops each spring when she returned from the underworld. In the original Brothers Grimm version of Snow White, the lead protagonist was named Snowdrop. 
The snowdrop's Latin name of Galanthus nivalis breaks down as gala, meaning milk, anthos, meaning flower, and nivalis, meaning of the snow. The white flowers were thought to resemble drops of milk. The snowdrop's name of death flower may derive from all the plant being toxic. Despite this, a 15th century glossary references the snowdrop being used medicinally as a digestive aid and an emanagogue to promote menstruation. In modern day medicine, galantamine found within snowdrops and other spring bulbs is used to treat Alzheimer's disease, HIV and other cognitive issues. It's used to improve memory and cognitive function through increasing acetylcholine levels. An old folk remedy involved rubbing snowdrops on the forehead as a means of pain relief. For all its death associations, the snowdrop holds as many life ones. The first sighting of a snowdrop growing wild is said to signify the passing of sorrow. The snowdrop is able to melt the snow that surrounds it via its own heat source much like the many candles that are used upon both in bulk and candle mass, the time when snowdrops appear. A small light of hope upon a winter's day, a flower that reminds us winter is soon to pass and the warmth of spring is soon to return. It is said you should never pick the first snowdrop of the year that you see. Instead, make a wish and visualize the warmer days ahead. Despite being small and delicate, they are the first plant to break through the frosty hard earth, testament to their determination and strength. The snowdrop blooms in the northern hemisphere January through to March, in the southern hemisphere June through to August. In German legend, there is a tale that when God created snow, he tasked it with visiting the earth and its flowers to gather their many colours. All the flowers refuse snow except the gentle snowdrop. Snow recognised the snowdrop's kindness and generosity and made a deal that in exchange for her colour, snow would allow her to bloom first each spring. The snowdrop agreed and cheerfully continues to be the first to bloom each springtime. Due to their appearance, they were often considered a shy plant or one that is hesitant to raise their head following some misdemeanor. The snowdrop has to battle the winter snow, wind and rain, so its drooping flower ensures the dusty pollen is sheltered in order to remain dry and sweet for the minimal insects present during this time of year. The snowdrop is said to have a honey-like scent. Using the snowdrop in spell work. It's important to be mindful the snowdrop arrives at a time when there is little nectar for bees and other insects. You may decide to grow your own abundance of snowdrops for future spell work, or perhaps pick just a flower or two where you find a good cluster. Some witches make tinctures through soaking the flowers in a small bowl of water. You may wish to let the bowl's contents soak up the rays of the sun for a couple of hours. Alternatively, leave overnight under the light of the moon, 
Consider the moon's phase dependent on the energy you wish to connect with. Strain the flowers and mix the water with 40% alcohol. Bottle for later use in spells and ritual work. Can be added to your chalice, used in offerings to deities, or an addition to any spell that its specific energy suits. But please remember the snowdrop is toxic in all its parts. Some witches may opt to not bring the snowdrop into the home due to the old superstitions. Instead, perhaps have imagery of them upon your altar or that you incorporate into your magic work. You may wish to draw on the snowdrop's physical association with winter. Use it symbolically to represent something within your life coming to an end that you have struggled to let go of. We must not forget snowdrop's many new life associations. The snowdrop can be used to represent the direction of east, sunrise and new beginnings. Incorporating spells are in bulk related to your new intentions or projects you are launching. Place snowdrops on your in bulk altar or use as offerings to any deities you honour, especially Hermes, Persephone and Bridget. Ensure these toxic flowers are out of reach of animals and children. Historically, it was said that to wear a snowdrop would ensure you had pure and lofty thoughts. Snowdrops were often worn as protection amulets. They can be used in spells or rituals to offer someone protection, comfort and aid when in dire need. It is said that the snowdrop will provide alignment with spiritual forces and summon benevolent spirits and their support to the situation. You may wish to gather and dry snowdrop leaves and flowers, using a sachet to act as a protection amulet. The snowdrop, despite its daintiness, is a powerful plant that protected Odysseus from Circe's powerful poisonous potions. Snowdrops can be added to spells linked to speaking with the dead. Burn some dried leaves to send the snowdrop's energy up into the ether to open up the lines of communication. Leave snowdrops under your pillow to meet your beloved departed within your dreams. Throughout history, snowdrops have been used in spells relating to spiritual initiation and eternal life. You may wish to leave an offering to the plant bathers or nature spirits when you spot the first snowdrops. A small means of gratitude for their ability to break through the snow and frost and spread their magic across the land. These tiny harbingers of spring. In honour to their many milk associations, perhaps leave some milk in an egg half or a tiny libation poured on the land close to them. Just a dash. Connecting to the snowdrop's daver. You may wish to meditate on the snowdrop, especially if you are yet to see any or live in an area where they are few and far between. Visualise yourself walking amongst an abundance of them, perhaps in a garden or even a graveyard, wherever your mind takes you that the snowdrop wishes to be seen. Remember to honour that if it's just you and the snowdrop present, they too are alive and full of life. Drop your focus into your heart and send love and respect to this tiny plant. 
This helps connect on a higher energy frequency. If the plant Ava senses your love and respect, perhaps they will connect with you now. What arises for you during this visualization? What does the snowdrop represent to you personally here? Can you sense their energy and how does it feel? Does the plant Deva have a message for you? What magical themes do you believe this small plant holds predominantly? Does a particular deity or spirit make itself known to you whilst you are here? Take your time in this process. Open yourself up to the many images, sensations or emotions that may arise. You can try this with any form of plant. When you are ready, thank the snowdrop for being there with you and let them know you are now leaving. Bid them farewell. You may wish to write in your grimoire or book of shadows about your experience. Earlier we saw the snowdrop's association with angels in the story linked to Adam and Eve. This is a spell from Witches Amino, Archangel Cassiel's finish in time spell. This spell is to be performed on a Saturday. You will need two snowdrops or a picture of them and a white candle. Arrange the snowdrops in a vase or place the picture next to the flower. If using a pillar candle, you can glue the picture on it. Light the candle and repeat. I call upon Cassiel. The snowdrop is your sacred flower. Help me finish my project in a timely manner and hour. Even as the snowdrop blooms in the darkest and coldest of days, help me to remain strong, focused and motivated come what may. May Cassiel, the Archangel of Creativity, assist me now, and as I will, so must it be. Allow the candle to burn down in a safe place. So Angel Cassiel, and this is from the website, theblackfeatherintuitive.com. Cassiel is most widely known as the Angel of Tears, for true joy comes from being comforted through the tears of sorrow, he is also known as the ruling archangel of Saturn, which is associated with feelings of temperance, moderation and self-discipline. Thus calling him the angel of tears and temperance essentially named him the archangel of Saturn. Based on this knowledge, they claim the best time to call upon Cassiel is on Saturday or Saturn's day. Some believe Archangel Cassiel is in charge of past life experiences and reincarnation. Others claim he helps protect you from psychic attacks and the art of meditation. For astrologers, Saturn's also associated with the concept of time. As the slowest moving planet, Saturn represents maturity and the aging process. So naturally, Cassiel also becomes known as the Angel of Time. Lastly, some refer to Cassiel as the Angel of the Sea because he can understand the language of dolphins. Due to this close connection with dolphins, some say to call upon Cassiel to protect you when you visit or live near the sea. 
Cassio has also been tasked with presiding over the deaths of kings. In astrology, the sun symbolises kingship and the winter solstice marks the death of the sun, i.e. the death of kings. Pagan Pancakes The Celtic festival of Imbolc signalled the resumption of work in the fields. It was a time to prepare for the new year. The tools were checked to ensure they were in working order and that the fields were ploughed before the first sowing. New candles were made. It was the time of the great spring clean. The 15th marked the date of the Roman Lupercales, which celebrated the end of winter. It was the time to purify the herds and the fields before sowing to ensure fertility and prosperity. The farmers roamed the fields equipped with torches and prepared pancakes with the remains of flour from the reserves. The shape and colour of the pancakes reminded the sun returning after winter. Originally, Shrove Tuesday was a pagan celebration prior to the arrival of Christianity. It was rooted in the belief that a strain in seasonal shifts was caused due to the coming of spring at this time of the year. For the pagans, the warm and circular nature of pancakes embodied the sun. Thus, the pagans understood that by eating pancakes, they would gain the power, light and heat of the sun in order to help them with this struggle of seasonal change. Lent comes from lengthen, which is an old English Germanic word meaning lengthening, referring to the lengthening days of spring. Symbolism was an important part of ancient paganism, and this is where the pancake appears. Springtime represented new life, light, conquering darkness, rejuvenation, and the promise of summer times ahead. The long cold nights of winter were seen to be behind them as the appearance of brighter days lay on the horizon. Pancakes were traditionally prepared and eaten at Imbolc to ensure a healthy harvest which would bring abundance and prosperity for the coming year. Wishes were made by flipping pancakes into the air and stones were even placed into the batter which divined the future for the coming year. Each ingredient is viewed to symbolise a different aspect of spring. Eggs, flour and milk represent creation the stuff of life and purity, respectively. An old Slavic pagan belief is if you consume pancakes on Shrove Tuesday, the gods of spring and fertility will fight against the evil gods of cold and darkness. The pagans' pancakes would be made into rounds to symbolise the sun, hoping that the sun's image would banish the cold, dark days. The first pancake was set on a windowsill as an offering to their ancestors and leftovers were thrown in a bonfire as a sacrifice to the gods. Iceland refers to this day as Sprengidagur, bursting day, and the tradition includes eating salted meats and peas. In Ireland, the day is celebrated as Pancake Tuesday, once marked with unmarried girls who would flip the first pancake. 
If she was successful, the rumour was that she would be married within the year. In Scotland, the pancake or bannock was placed under a girl's pillow to induce dreams of her future husband. That is all I have for you today, witches. Thank you for joining me. I'm sorry this episode is out a day late. Just this week, I've been feeling a bit under the weather and it's been a bit difficult recording, feeling really rough. I will be back next week on time and with bells on. I just want to say a huge thank you to all my Patreons for supporting the work I do. I could not do this without you witches. So thank you for supporting all my crazy work. I also wanted to ask if you might be able to help a witch out by leaving me a review for the podcast if you enjoy it. Five star Apple reviews are always coveted if you feel that way inclined. It really helps me out. It just takes a few seconds, but it really helps get the podcast out there. Aside from that, have a great week, witches. I'm sending you lots and lots of witchy love. Mm-hmm.